Welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am super pumped that you are listening. This is a podcast by a 20-something or 20-somethings or 20-somethings at heart. The desire to dive into the real and the raw, the uncomfortable and the messy. My desire is that you would encounter the Lord and feel encouraged, inspired, and challenged to chase after Jesus in this crazy time of life. I'm so glad you're here. So grab something refreshing and let's get on with it. Hey gals, you might be wondering what in the world placemaking is and I'm excited for you guys to hear Christy talk today about what this word means and how God has used nature and his character to minister to her heart and to encourage ladies to tend to the places where God has put you. Christy is super cool and her book Placemaker came out just about two weeks ago. If you love what you hear today, make sure you check out the show notes and you can get a copy of Christy's new book, Placemaker. I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode, so let's get on with it. Well, hey, Christy. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Oh, it's so good to be here. Thanks for your uh, internet hospitality. (laughs) Of course. Yes. Tell us a little bit just about yourself, what your life looks like these days. Absolutely. Well, since I know that your podcast is aimed at um, 20-somethings or 20-somethings at heart, I'll just Mm -hmm. start off by saying I am turning 42 this year. Nice. And I am just now, I think, come to recognize that I am no longer in my 20s. I think it takes about a decade. (laughs) I think it takes all of your 30s before your brain like catches up with your life and you realize, oh, I'm not a 20-something anymore. Wow, when did that happen? (laughs) But like I said, you can still be a 20-something at heart, so we can still include you. Exactly, exactly. And you definitely don't look it. (laughs) Well, thanks. That's nice to hear. But, you know, I'm 41. I've been married now for over 20 years. I have four kids, two girls and two boys, and I live in Pennsylvania. I've lived all over, but I now call Pennsylvania home. I love that. Up there in the Northeast, you guys are getting lots of terrible weather right now, right? Oh, yeah. Still winter. It's, yeah, still ice and snow, and spring feels like it will never, ever come. But this is how it always feels this time of year. And I'm kind of reminding myself, like, oh, yeah, I've been here before. The spring will be worth it. But right. this is a, it's a tough time of year. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, let's hold out. Once it gets spring, summer, we'll, we'll feel better. <laughs> Exactly. It's coming. It's coming. My my youngest was just asking me today, how, I want to I want to go outside without my coat. When will it be warm? And so I was telling her, just hang on. We're almost there. I know. It's like, <laughs> I feel like I'm in this place right now where I'm like, when am I going to be able to see the sun? Like, I, I don't think yeah. I could ever live in like Seattle or Alaska or like places where you just don't see the sun a whole lot because it like puts me in a different mood. Like when it's cold, it like does. it's been cold and rainy here for forever. And I'm like, I'd feel like a different person when it's actually sunny outside. It's so true. It makes such a difference. Yeah. Yeah. There's just I nothing know. like blue sky to, to heal. Right. right? <laughs> we need it. I know. So yeah. it's coming. We can do it. It's coming. It's coming. So you are coming out with a book in March, right? It's coming out so soon. Oh, my goodness. Called Placemaker. So tell us kind of a little bit about what that means, the word placemaker, and kind of just your journey for what inspired you to write it. Yeah, well, you know, I've always loved 
making a home. So even when it was my college dorm, <laughs> you know, even when it was my dollhouse when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I've always loved making a home. But words like homemaker never it's like they weren't big enough somehow to really capture all the things I loved or really what my life was like. Sure. Um, certainly didn't, I think, reflect like my husband and the things we partnered in together in terms of, you know, making, making homes. And so for a long time, I was really in search of a, I think a more spacious word, yeah. a word maybe that could be like a bigger vessel or a bigger umbrella or something to sort of connect the dots of my life. Mm. And so, so now I tell people when I talk about placemaking, I really say that placemaking is, is really, it's about a willingness to sink your roots in deep to the place where you are, to love that place well, and to tend it and take care of it and to share it with others even if you think, Hey, I'm only going to be living here for six months or, Hey, I don't know how long I'm going to be living here. This isn't my, you know, I don't think this is permanent, Right. but of course our homes on earth are never permanent in that sense. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and so that can be hard, especially, you know, if we move around a lot or, you know, we know we're just in a place for a while, it can be hard to Mm -hmm. um, let your heart love in that way and and put down roots because it's painful to pull those roots up. But I have just found, um, in all the places I've lived that if we're willing to love a place, then that place can, um, in a way it can almost love us back or, you know, it can, it can nourish us as well. And I think that God can even uh, minister to us in ways that, um, he couldn't, if we, if we weren't sort of open to the, to the place where we're living in that way. So, so that's placemaking and yeah. it's a good word. It, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I, I feel like it describes me. It describes my husband. Um, and it's not about whether, you know, whether you work from home or whether you're, um, you work out of the home or, you know, that our, I think place, the lives of placemakers can look really different. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it really reflects God's own heart for special places. You know, he did create special places for his people, like, the Garden of Eden and the mm. temple. And so I think when we are um, living this placemaking life, we are, um, it's part of our, you know, um, bearing his image, really. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. I've always, you know, I got a copy of your book and have been able to kind of read through, but it's it's been really cool because I've never really thought about it in that way, right? You mentioned like homemaker, but, you know, there's a lot of like stereotypes that maybe come with that yeah. or just different things or it like you said, it's just not the, the right kind of, um, you know, the word to match what your, what your passion is. Um, so I love that. Exactly. And I do think too, we tend all kinds of places like, you know, teachers Mm. tend their classrooms and some of us are tending churches and, you know, I lived in the city and with neighbors, I tended a community garden. And so there's all kinds of places that I think we're called to, to cultivate and to, you know, to take care of. And it's not necessarily a house or a, a garden in the backyard. Yeah, I love that. We all have our own callings and things that we're called Mm -hmm. to kind of create and cultivate. So I love that, that it's not just a home, though that can be part of it, but different things. That is so cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could you tell us just like a little bit about how God has used specifically like creation um, Mm -hmm. to speak to your heart? Well, we talked about seasons earlier and it really... It really has been, I think, in observing nature and in observing the four seasons that I have really learned to understand how God works in my own life through, you know, spiritual seasons and and periods of 
um, you know, spiritual winters and seasons of, you know, where it's, you know, more about growth and output. And I don't know. So I grew up in Texas where we didn't really have seasons. Mm. And, and yet I often longed for them. I'd read books about, you know, snowy winters or, you know, autumn colors. And I thought, mm. oh, that just sounds amazing. So I think my heart was always kind of inclined to, to, you know, see God out there in, in that kind of um, nature. But yeah, I, uh, um, it's just been really a big part of my spiritual growth is sort of understanding that the things got set into motion in the created world in terms of rhythms and seasons and growth and fallow times and um, times where it just looks like death, you know, nothing is growing, that all of that, it's not, I mean, it's, it's metaphor, right? It helps Mm -hmm. us kind of understand, you know, what he's up to in our own lives, but I really feel like it gets so much deeper than metaphor. Somehow it's just, um, it's the way the world works and it's way, it's the way we're created to work as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been super important to me and it was so much fun working on this book because I wrote um, a lot about trees. I tell a lot of tree stories in this book Mm. and trees in particular, I think have really, God's really used them to, um, to just minister to me, to, to give me peace or healing or rest when, when I needed it. Mm, that's so cool. Yeah, there's, I feel like everybody has kind of a favorite piece of creation, yeah. something that yeah. God uses just to make you feel so in awe and, and wondering how can anybody look at this or see this or know the, just the biology behind this and not, not know that there's a creator God, um, right. that it's so yeah, like, beyond science, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, for some of us, it's mountains or some of us, it's the beach or water or rivers. I mean, I love all of it, really. (laughs) I'm not going to be picky when it comes to that gorgeous creation. But yeah, trees have been really a particular aspect of creation that, you know, God has really spoken to me. And man, trees are everywhere in the Bible, too. So Mm. um, yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot to be discovered there. Yeah. Would you share just something in particular about trees that that just leaves you in awe? Yeah, you know, I've been learning a lot as I was working on writing this book and and reading about trees and reading some of the science. Um, So it was so crazy to discover that trees are connected through their roots and actually communicate with one another Mm. through their roots and will even take care of one another through their roots. So scientists now know that um, sometimes if you cut, like if there's a forest of the same species of tree that's grown up naturally, it's not like a lumber farm or something. Um, and you cut down one of the big old trees in that forest just to a stump so that it has no leaves and it can't feed itself, the trees around it will keep that stump alive. Mm. They will feed it through their own roots. It's like, so I, I, I just think there's so much to be, to think through there in terms of like being a good neighbor and how we need one mm. another and how we're meant to live in community because that's how the trees were designed to Mm. live. And if the trees were designed to live that way, then surely, you know, that's how God meant his people to live. Um, So yeah, that just really blew my mind when I read about that. Yeah, that is so neat. And I always think about when I find something cool, find out something cool about nature, you know, I, I always think back to how in, I think, Matthew 6, it talks about how God takes care of the sparrows and how much more will he take care of us. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, there's all these ways that animals and plants 
take care of each other um, and and how much more is God doing that for us like that we that we tend to doubt that he has our best in mind you know and and thinking about oh man if the if the birds are taken care of and if the trees are able to take care of each other through God's so specific design then how much more is he taking care of us and so that just blows my mind every time i love learning stuff like that about science and like the solar so- anyways this is a whole soapbox but like the solar system blows my mind oh, i'm and, with you oh, yeah man i think it's also because i'm a teacher and so i love this stuff but um yeah. yep. it's so cool I to be do. able to connect it to to God and just his, his power and might. Um, so cool. So, um, how about we shift a little bit to talking more about placemaking and, and how is that different from like hospitality or homemaking? You know, what are the differences in those? Yeah, there's definitely connection, definitely overlap. And in this book, Placemaker, I talk more specifically about hospitality and and kind of the traditional ways we think of hospitality, like Mm -hmm. sharing our homes and sharing our tables, especially. Um, But for me, uh, placemaking is just, it's just bigger. It includes more. And so that's been really encouraging for me, especially because I'm an introvert. And so as much as I love having people over, I love being around other people, I can also find it um, pretty draining and pretty tiring. And Mm. so, so it was a real epiphany for me to realize that some of the work I do as a placemaker, I might do on my own. For instance, I might be um, weeding my garden and I'm, I'm alone and I'm being restored by that alone time and I'm doing the work in the garden. But I'm also doing that tending of the garden because I know that friends or family will come and visit that garden and enjoy that space. And, um, and maybe when they enjoy it, I won't even be with them. Maybe I'll be in the kitchen making dinner or something, but mm. they'll be receiving something um, from me in, in the space of that garden. And so when I realized that, I thought, oh, hospitality, um, it's not just the moment around the table with friends. It's not Mm. just um, opening the door to that person who needs a bed or, you know, whatever it looks like. It is those things. Um, But placemaking, I think, just gave me a bigger framework for thinking about my own hospitality. So personally, I don't, you know, I'm not making these huge distinctions. Oh, this is placemaking. This is hospitality. They're absolutely connected. They absolutely over overlap. Um, but placemaking has just given me, I think a bigger picture and it has also just kind of drawn my attention to how important places and spaces are in our hospitality. So, um, you know, maybe some of us, that's a natural way to approach hospitality, to think about the preparations maybe we do in our home right. and, and in our space. Um, but, you know, thinking about placemaking and realizing, wow, God cr- created a place for us. In that way, he is so hospitable to us. And so then what does that look like for how we tend to places? And maybe it's not even the tending of our own places. Sometimes it's attending of shared spaces and thinking of that as a kind of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um so it's, yeah, so they're, they're, I can't talk about one without talking about the other. Right. Absolutely. And, and yet somehow they're not interchangeable either. They definitely help me to kind of access different aspects of my own calling and my own passions. And I think different aspects of, of who God is. Mm, that's good. What do you think has been the biggest like challenge in placemaking for you? Oh yeah. You know, I think what challenges us all, so many of us is, you know, fear, 
worry. Um, I can remember when we first moved to this old farmhouse where we live now in Pennsylvania, I had this crazy idea and it was crazy because I know I didn't come up with it. I felt God just like (laughs) drop it in my head. And I, I had this idea, Oh, we have this big, long patches of green grass. And I had this idea that we should invite all the neighbors over for an Easter egg hunt, (laughs) which would be like a hundred invitations and tons of people. And, um, well, immediately I was terrified because I thought someone, we don't really know our neighbors yet. One of the kids will come and they'll get hurt. We have these groundhogs that tear up our property and dig these tunnels. I thought, oh my gosh, some kid will (laughs) break their leg in one of those tunnels. I can't do this. And so it's fear, you know, it's fear, it's anxiety. Um, and, uh, and yet when I, when I, when I rest in the fact that, Hey, God is calling me to do this and he can meet my needs and he can meet the needs of my guests. Um, even when those, you know, cause definitely anytime you have people over, there's those worst case scenarios, you know, mm. sometimes they happen, but I can, I can just trust him with all of that. And then I'll say, you know, in addition to that, just getting really nitty gritty, um, money finances, mm. it, it can cost money to, you know, to keep up a place in order to share it with others or to so tend true. a garden or, you know, just buying groceries to share with people or, um, and a lot of it, especially with placemaking can feel extravagant. It can feel wasteful. Like, Oh, why am I spending money on pruning up this tree in my backyard? Or why, you know, why Mm -hmm. am I spending money on to grow flowers when I should just maybe grow vegetables or I don't know, or just buy them at the store because they're cheaper anyway. You know, it, it can, it can, um, it can be hard to justify, I think in spiritual terms, but Mm -hmm. understanding placemaking has helped me, I think as well, sort of have a bigger, picture of, you know, all this belongs to God anyway. And if he's calling me to create something beautiful and share it with others, then I don't need to second guess every penny. I can trust his provision. I can trust his bounty. Um, But that's an ongoing process for me. I still Mm. think, oh my goodness, what what are we doing? We're going to bankrupt ourselves and people call us fools because look at us, you know, (laughs) why are we trying to renovate this old house? And, you know, it can placemaking can look foolish. Honestly, it really can. But sometimes God calls us to lives that look a little foolish. Yeah, probably always. Honestly, (laughs) I don't I don't think I know one believer who hasn't said that they have felt foolish or completely out of their comfort zone in in this life of being a believer. It's just what comes with it. (laughs) But it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And I say the same thing of placemaking. It, it'll break your heart. It'll drive you nuts. It'll maybe bankrupt you. <laughs> but it is. It's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> so true. I was thinking about <laughs> how definitely the money portion is probably what 20-somethings would, would say yeah. they would struggle with most in this. With coming out of college, having student loans, or you know, just starting your first job and trying to figure out what it looks like to even budget or even if you're still in college, you know, and not having a whole lot of money and and just trying to figure out, you know, how to um, place make without ruining your whole bank account. Right. And so that's what I'm thinking is a big thing. Well, that's one of the many reasons I called this podcast water with lemon is because I thought about how 20 somethings can't really afford anything, but that, and it's fancier than just getting water when you go to a restaurant. 
I think that is the best metaphor. And it's a great metaphor for placemaking too, to remember it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be wine. It doesn't have to be lemonade. Uh, it doesn't have to be soda, but yeah, it could just be water with lemon. I think that is placemaking in a nutshell. (laughs) I love it. I'm glad we could team up on that one then. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'll also say like one thing I sort of discovered as I was writing a book, I just realized how important community is in placemaking and that, and I think this is, is maybe going to be especially key for, um, for 20 somethings who, who don't have the, maybe the financial or, or, or just resources to do it all on their own. I think mm-hmm. it's actually meant to be done in community. And so sharing it, uh, sharing the placemaking with others, with mm-hmm. roommates, with, you know, with, uh, neighbors, with friends, with others from your church or your community, um, is actually, it's not just financially wise, although it is that, but, um, it's also, I think just how it's meant to be done. You know, mm-hmm. God, our, you know, our, our, our Trinitarian God created us in community, you know, let us make man in our image. And so I think our creating and our making as well is, is, um, probably best approached in community too. So don't, mm-hmm. I think don't try to do it on your own. Cause that's probably not, not best for a lot of reasons, right. but do it in community, do it with others. Yeah. Like the trees do, you know, help each exactly. other out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything else like specifically to 20 somethings, like how can we live a life of placemaking? Yeah, I think, um, you know, this is true for me and it's probably true for a lot of your listeners as well, that are 20 somethings, there's a lot of change, a lot of transition, maybe even actual physical moves. And so I think my, my biggest counsel is to say, lean into this, try this, but don't wait for perfection. Hmm. You know, the perfect home, the perfect situation, uh, the perfect job, and don't wait for permanence. Oh, well, when I'm settled, oh, well, when I'm out of grad school or, oh, when I get married or, oh, when I, I, finally have kids or whatever the thing is that, you know, it's the next phase that you feel like maybe Mm. you're waiting on. Um, don't wait, just, just go for it. Just go for it. And, uh, so many of the stories I tell in this book are actually the kind of placemaking, um, the placemaking I did in my twenties as I was, you know, always in transition, you Mm -hmm. know, from college to, you know, marriage to, um, you know, first job and then graduate school and then new parenthood and living in the city, living in the suburbs, you know, so much change, um, in my twenties, um, as it is for so many. And yet I look back and what was the thread connecting all of it is that in each place I lived, no matter, you know, what my circumstances, I was trying to, um, I was trying to create a beautiful space around me and mm-hmm. then enjoying sharing that with other people and, um, or just enjoying it myself and, you know, letting God meet me in that beautiful space. So, mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, it can be tempting to just think, well, beauty and, you know, a beautiful place is for someone who's a little older or has, you know, you know, things are a little bit more settled. Um, but I say, I don't, don't wait, don't wait. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that a lot. I feel like we are also big dreamers and, but like you said, we often aren't, aren't the ones who are willing to actually take the action because of fear or because, um, you know, for a number of reasons, but don't wait, just go for it. And if it fails, whatever, that's fine. That's right. That's how we learn. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I like that. Okay. So where can we get your book? How can my listeners connect with you? Cause I know they're going to want to learn more about this. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can always find me on my website, christypurifoy.com. Um, and uh, the book is, you know, in bookstores, Barnes and Noble, it's on Amazon. But I especially love connecting with uh, people on Instagram. So mm-hmm. if any of your listeners are on Instagram, they can find me there at Christy Purifoy, uh, Christy with an I-E. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that especially because I think of it as it's like another way to practice hospitality. It's just another way to open the door mm-hmm. and to share, you know, glimpses of the beauty I'm noticing here at this old farmhouse or in the seasons. You know, mm-hmm. spring is coming. So hopefully soon I'll be sharing pictures of, you know, yes. daffodils and blue skies and things like that. So Instagram's a great place. And, um, and then I have, I have a podcast that I host with a really good friend of mine, actually a friend, Lisa Jo Baker, who I met in my very early twenties. We've been friends that long. Yeah, before kids, before we became writers or anything. So yeah, we we have a podcast every Wednesday called uh, Out of the Ordinary. So it's another good place to find me. Yes, we will check that out for sure. That sounds so fun. I feel like that's got to be so fun to be able to do it with your friend. Oh, it's been so much fun. I, yeah. Um, you know, to share the, share the work of it and also just to share the fun of it. It's been really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. We'll check it out. Okay. This is one of my favorite questions that I ask every guest that comes on, but what's one thing that you wish you knew as a 20 something? One thing I wish I knew, I would say, so you mentioned, um, you mentioned uh, 20-somethings are good they're good dreamers, mm-hmm. and that was me as a 20-something. I was just <laughs> so focused on dreams, desires, longings, and that was so good and so necessary because, um, you know, that's what God used to just sort of keep me moving into the plans he prepared for me. Yeah. But um, I wish I had known just how important it would it was it would be to find rest and stillness in the midst of all that intense mm-hmm. longing and looking forward and and leaning forward. I mm-hmm. wish that I had um, uh, just been able, maybe through different spiritual practices or just practicing gratitude or you know quietness and stillness. I wish that I had been able to kind of root myself a little bit better in, in the present and in the now, um, which is so important for me now. But I look back and I I see all the good gifts I did have in my life. I, and I see, um, I see how much was given to me in that season, but I know at the time I didn't fully appreciate it because I was, Mm -hmm. man, I was focused on the future, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that is, that's just a part of, of being in that age. But yeah, I wish that I had, um, yeah, just, slow down a little bit in, yeah. in each day and, and received each day. Yeah. 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 That's good. I, I feel like it's hard to just balance the, uh, the hustle and, and being mm-hmm. able to just take time to like learn what it is to rest. I just did an episode yeah. about a month ago, I think on rest and like the importance of Sabbath. And I thought it was so important just to understand that, that, that's what God designed for us is to be able to slow down. You know, there's, there's a balance there of rest and, um, and also shooting for what he's called you to do. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. I wanted to see what are some things that you are watching or listening to or reading? What are some of your favorites right now? Let's see. So I am always, always up for a good mystery. So I'm always reading mysteries. I'm always watching, especially like British mysteries, like 
Agatha Christie. So if it was on like Masterpiece Mystery and it was some, um, you know, British detective show, then I've, <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> I watched them all. I don't all. think I've <laughs> even ever heard of British mystery shows. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's my thing. I love Agatha Christie. I love reading Louise Penny's novels. She has a whole series set in Quebec hmm. um, featuring Inspector Gamache. And he is just the loveliest man. And he solves all these murders and drinks little cafe au lait in the bistro. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I <laughs> and love then it. Listening. I listen, I've been listening to the Grey Havens a lot lately. And hmm. I just love their music. Um, just beautiful metaphors and great storytellers. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. Let's check it out. I really want to watch a British mystery now. <laughs> like, it'd be so fun. And then lastly, what is just refreshing you? Like, what is giving you life? Uh, I feel like my answer is always the same, although maybe it's just a winter answer. I have to think about that. But right now it is going for walks. It is mm. saving my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard because sometimes it's too snowy or too icy or too muddy. But right. um, it, uh, as much as I'm able to, I get outside. And if I can walk in the woods, even mm-hmm. better. <laughs> oh, yes. Just to be able to get outside when it's not snowing and freezing and dark, right? Exactly. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for coming on today. I am just so excited for my listeners to hear what placemaking is um, and how how we can do that in becoming more godly women. um, And even in our 20s to be able to just try something, you know, just try it and and, uh, throw fear out the door in that. So thank you for encouraging us in that. Oh, you are so welcome. Thanks for the invitation, the great questions. It's been so much fun. Thank you. Of course. We'll be sure to check you out on Instagram, on your website, with your podcast. Yeah. I'll link all of that in the show notes so you guys can find her. Thanks for listening in today, ladies. I know I sound like a smoker in this intro and outro, but I hope you loved hearing about what it looks like to be a placemaker. Check out the show notes for where you can find her book. Be a star and share this episode with someone you love and think might enjoy the episode. If you're wondering about ways you can get connected with the podcast, check out my website in the show notes or my Instagram at Water with Lemon Podcast. I'd love for you to connect with me via Instagram or email. Let me know of any topics you'd like to hear on the podcast. Also, there's a place on my website to give financially if you're interested in helping me out with some of the costs of running the show. I'm so thankful for you guys. Catch you back next week. I'm not a smoker, I promise. Stay fresh, my people.